Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What's going on? We're back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. The Bald Syndicate is in the building. And uh, as you know, like this is when the most wisdom gets dropped is when the ball is in the building. Um, and for the third time on the podcast, my man, my brother, Dr. John Russin, what's going on, man? Man, it's been a great weekend here. Again. It has been. Seattle, Washington, Vigor Ground, PPSC. And uh, we break records here. If we don't break records, we don't, we don't even want to put on a damn event, damn it. Um, yeah, so we, have, we just had a great, great weekend. 110, 110 coaches uh, for paying free performance specialist certification. Phenomenal. Uh, I've talked about it before. Uh, now it is a certification, so I highly, highly, highly recommend that you take it. Uh, it'll make you a better coach. It'll help your clients get better results. Uh, and it'll position you better, too. Uh, but more about that probably at the end, probably at the end sometime. Uh, but what, you know, uh, kind of to, to piggyback on, um, you know, we've talked a lot of, about a lot of stuff in, in uh, the last two episodes. Today, what I wanted to dig into is is program design and like i know this is like a we could talk about that for probably about 14 days straight <laughs> but but you know part of actually is it's like as part of this pain-free performance model because i mean i've been around you and like know your training i've done your training tons yeah. tons of times i still jump back on the programs quite often and that you know your philosophy around because you know we talked a lot about the warm-ups yeah uh, and also like breaking down the movement patterns and, you know, what's the best exercise and fit for the person in front of you. Uh, but dive a little bit into like your philosophy around training and like, whoa, I'll, man, I'll just probably <laughs> cut like cut in here and we'll probably yeah. go all, all over the place, which I love. But, um, you know, because a, a big part of obviously, you know, improving performance and staying prey free is is besides exercise selection is also like, hey, rotating intensities and volumes and things of Definitely. that nature. But just helping, you know, everybody that's listening kind of, uh, I, I would say, see that 10,000 bird's eye view of, of yeah. your thoughts around that. Like, well, it was interesting. Uh, two years ago, I was in your homeland, Slovenia, mm-hmm. yep. and they were putting it through translation for the course. Mm-hmm. And the first introduction that they had to the course was, this is Dr. John Russin's course, pain-free performance specialist. This is the non-dogmatic approach to health, fitness, and training. And I was like, damn, I'm going to use that going forward because that's essentially what I believe in, in mm-hmm. terms of programming. I think about it as a P4. That's kind of our programming blueprint model. You prepare, you prime, you perform, and then you pump that shit at the end. So it's an all-inclusive type training session, whether you're going bro splits, body splits, upper lowers, or if you're going full body training. The biggest mistake that people make is they go in for one dogmatic approach. I want to get strong, so everything needs to be one to five reps. Mm -hmm. Face pulls, the same as deadlifts. Instead of having a more inclusive base approach on regional tissues, on movement patterns, but overall health and wellness, because you can only do one thing all the time so far until you get broken down, you get a little bit burned out, or something forced a meathead deload which is time away from training via injury. So if you can kind of rotate in all of these different types of training modalities, it's an inclusive program. You might get a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger, time by time by time. It's all going to happen as an approach up for longevity. Because when you only have goals for six weeks or you only have goals for six months, things become very short-term. You put ego in front of intelligence. Instead of having a long-term mindset of us and my coaches – and my athletes and my clients, they want to do this shit for life. 
So we're going to get them there. So when they're 70 or 80, they're still weight training. They're still having fun doing what they love to do. So basically, I mean, one of the things that, it, and I think we talked about this before was, you know, really that approach of, hey, yeah, you could probably get stronger, re- like shorter term, but it, it's like if you train this way long term, you're really going to bang up. Actually, not even long term, like medium term, you're going to get banged up, <laughs> yeah. right? And so like uh, when, when you talk about that, it's like the prime of performing pump is having like those mixed, I would say, rep ranges within exactly. even a training session, which I, you know, I, I've always loved to do that. Even j- just from the, I've loved to do it more so from, you know, if nobody gave me the science of it and I didn't study it, yeah. it was just like, man, this shit makes me feel better. And yes. I want to leave with the pump. And number one is like, I don't want to, you know, because if you're doing like threes and fives and like that's your whole thing and like you're at week four, man, like your joints are like screaming at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but long term, like, so for instance, how much do you, uh, and, and I'll just give you some scenarios and examples, right? So if you got, you know, you prime and you get your main lift, whatever that is, you guys were today doing, uh, uh, you're doing deadlifts off the rack, but with the uh, reverse bands, right? Yep, exactly. Um, and, and that was your, probably your main lift. Yep. And then, you know, and you, you prime, you go and prime that lift. So you're feeling great before you start, you ramp up, you hit your, you know, let's say your three RM for the day. Now, quick question. Do you ever like on, um, you know, even on your big lifts, rotate the reps higher or, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or for instance, um, I'll give you an example. I'll just give you an example from, from, for myself. Um, as soon as I started doing belt squats, which are the, the squats that I can load heavy as shit mm-hmm. and not worry about my back at all. Yeah. And, and I would rotate the reps even from my, you know, six RM, but then even as high as a 15 RM and try to like push those PRs on yeah. it. Right. Well, the true max effort method, I think it is misconstrued in the industry. People think that it's just going and lifting as heavy as you possibly can, moving weight from point A to point B. There is some truth to that, but pure max effort needs to be a single repetition. The criteria there are a straining rep, meaning that it was a hard rep through that concentric lift, Mm -hmm. and you kept pristine and perfect form while you strained. The key. The key Mm -hmm. is perfection of technique and form with a strain. Mm -hmm. So mechanically, neurologically, muscularly, that is going to be a very high yield. And people see my training all the time, especially the last two and a half years or so, is we are using the max effort method with general fitness. We're using them with our youth athletes. We're using it all the way up into more of a longevity-based programming scheme mm-hmm. because I think that when you bring the, qu- the quantity of the volume down, especially on big barbell lifts, and you bring the quality up and the intensity up, you can really sprinkle in one or two hard reps and then build in the rest of the training session in your 5 to 10 for strength. Build it into your 10 to 25 for hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. Work metabolic stress with 50 or 100 sets with body weight. Do something as a finisher, and you are going to be healthier because of it. It goes against what everyone thinks that they know. Heavy lifting will break you. Heavy lifting will leave you burned out. But if you only sprinkle in a couple reps of truly 100% effort work, mm-hmm. the rest of the programming will accrue the volume in a more pain-free, joint-friendly way. So you get in... You get out very quickly on those big lifts that you go heavy as fuck on, but then you build in something before, something after, and something that makes you feel good before you leave the gym. But it goes against people's religion. It's like, I'm a functional trainer. Therefore, I can never use one RM. I can't even use two or threes. Fives are going to be safer for our people. I've actually seen that a one done pristinely well is going to be safer for the average person because when we get up to fives, sixes, eights, I see programming with barbell back squat, barbell deadlift, and barbell bench press for sets of 10 to 15. 
first thing to break is going to be the core mm-hmm. or your posterior chain tension that can control the ball and socket based joints, your glutes, your core, your upper back. So if that is breaking, if your stability breaks first, compensation hits. So it turns into a set of 15 that looks really good on paper. Well, you do eight good reps and then the rest are pull shit. Yep. And that extended rep scheme is where I tend to see people have the most struggles staying healthy long term. It's the kind of thing that doesn't bite you in the ass right there and then, but the next day you kind of have that soreness that's in the joints. It's not muscular. Yeah. It's not delayed onset muscle soreness. It's the kind of thing that racks you up a little bit, but we try to stay away from that. See, like you, to me, it's like this breaking the ego more than anything else yep. because here, I, I really think that we have, and I said it when we were talking last night after the event, you know, like this whole standard of lifting. You know, I, I still think that, to the, and I remember me back in the day, right? And I, I thought I had really high standards, right? But still, like you go in and, and, and when you get amped up, you know, all of a sudden you're losing form. You're like, man, yeah. fuck it, I got this up. I'm feeling good. You know, put another 20 on that, on a deadlift, right? Yeah. But it wasn't, like you said, you know, pristine, right? Pristine yeah. form. And I think that, that's one of the keys where, yes, like heavy lifting can be very safe, but you, you have to be able to drop the ego and say, hey, like, I, like that was pristine. Exactly. I can get another 40 pounds on this, but it won't be pristine. And, and because yeah. of that, I shouldn't, right? Well, this is an interesting thing, too, because, you know, if you do a barbell squat bench and deadlift, anyone who's been lifting for long enough, they know, oh, I know my theoretical gym PR. Mm-hmm. You know what you once did, even if it was 20 years ago. But when you start using novel setups, so using the example what we did for max effort deadlifts today, we use two and a half inch block under the plates to raise up the bar a little bit, make it more accessible with the spine neutral position. We use reverse bands. Mm-hmm. We used a 55 pound bar. All of a sudden, we're training with a group of three We don't know what we're capable of doing. It opens up your mind to, okay, it doesn't matter what the external weight on the bar is today. We are going to achieve the two things that we're after with max effort work. Straining with perfect form. And before you break perfect form, you're done and on to your next thing. But I went in not knowing if I could lift 365 or 565. And it opens up you to be more honest with your performance and actually draw back a little bit. Because when we compete against ourselves, we're not going to be the same Monday as we are Tuesday, let alone three months or six months away. Progressive overload is only so important. We need to be training more neurologically. We need to be training more for the given day as opposed to your theoretical wants. This is a big reason that I stay away from per, uh, percentage-based systems. Yeah, percentage-based systems. I was literally going to throw that in there because yeah. I was just reading studies that, uh, and this I, I don't know how long it was uh, over a course of time it was done, but it was it was pretty I would say it was pretty relevant studies that, that said on a given day the max can be twenty five percent up or down yeah. from the tested, and we're talking about a. range. And if you play with that, let's take a 300 pound deadlift, right? That means you might be 375 or you, sorry, 390, or you might be uh, 230. No, sorry, or 210. I mean, that's like a massive, massive, massive difference, right? Like, uh, and I probably threw the numbers off there, 25%. So 75, 225, uh, 375, 225. But I mean, that's massive, right? Like, and how do you, because now what happens is people come in, they're tired. And they're looking at their numbers and they're like, dude, like, the, you know, their warm up sets feel heavy as shit. And yep. you go like, how do I? And then they go for it, right? Or they go close to it. And that's when you're going to get banged up. Yeah. 
It's trying to be a self-fulfilling prophecy of what you think you're capable of doing that day because you've done it before, even though you have no business doing it. You're not going to feel great every single day, but you have to get some quality work in. You got to get better somehow. And usually if you're not feeling up to it, there's times and places where you can call it early. But with the max effort method, it is really almost like putting a restrictor plate on your car because if you have the two key goals, straining with perfect form, you know, you'll get your 100% that day, even though it might be relatively different yep. than two weeks ago or two months ago. You have a, um, so like I, I, I do this uh, as a kind of a little bit of a rule, and I wanted to see if you have any type of strategy. So if, uh, let's say uh, I got a four sets of four in a program, for yep. instance, right? And I'm coming in, I, I don't know, I'm feeling a little down. I'm going to work up to my top set of four that day yes. with perfect, you know, mechanical tension, perfect form, pristine form. And then anything over 90% of that would count. So let's yes. say I worked up to 400 for four reps. But as I was working up, I did, you know, 315 for four, 365, 385, 405. Anything over 365 would count as my right. set of four. Um, I, I can't, I think I, I, I learned that from, from Eric back in the day. But I really, really like that. We use that with everybody, with our athletes, with our for sure. gym pop. And it's like, it could vary so much but we still have a little bit of a rule right in place for it. There's nothing worse than having something like a five by five, a five by five at the same exact weight because you get in, you do your first set and you're like, I conquered that shit. And then you're like, man, I have to conquer it four more times. It's like going through Rome and taking, kicking ass and taking names (laughs) five times in a row. Why would you do that? You go on to the next city. So I always like a progressive ramp. So when you get to something, it should be a hard rep. I look at velocity and the speed of the rep. Did you strain it or did you not? As soon as you start straining a tiny bit, that is work sets or working volume. Everything Mm -hmm. else is ramping volume. I look at pain-free training volume because it doesn't really matter. It shouldn't count towards your absolute volume in a training block or a training week. But I like like mentally to go, yep, I hit 405. I want to go to 415. I want to go to 425 and really start pressing the load up because we want to get to a point where we do maybe one kick-ass set to failure. Mm -hmm. To failure is still very, very important, but failure with perfect form is more important. So if you're at 405, you're at 415, 425, maybe you have 440 in you that day. You hit 435. It's super hard. You strain the last two reps. The goal is achieved and you move back on. But it's always a risk to benefit ratio. Mm-hmm. It's like when you put multiple working sets at close to 100% of effort, that's a tough thing to do. Usually somebody is capable of doing that one to two times a workout. So we usually stick it for one single tough ass rep, more of max effort. And then in that secondary auxiliary lift, that strength lift, that's anywhere from five to 10 repetitions. We want to get one set that you're like, man, I got 100% of the work done that I needed to get there. And then everything becomes pump work after that because load is no longer the thing. But where people run into problems is that they go, okay, I got four lifts today and I'm going to train them all from the one to five RM rep range. And by the first lift, you're shot. And then you try to do some bullshit work and you start force feeding. Most likely your brace is gone Mm -hmm. and you continue to accrue more and more volume in the power of strength schemes. Whereas you should just kind of call it a day and get some pump into the tissues, feel better, work on hypertrophy, work on extended ranges of motion and do something different. You know, you can't have the same mental focus on four things as you do on one thing. It's almost like co-managing your training program. I always laugh when you got squat, bench and dead on the same day. There's a lot of programs like that. Good luck squatting and then benching and deadlifting with anything that is high quality. It's usually not going to happen. So we talk about having one key performance indicator lift a day. So that might look like for us today. We did valve slides. 
We had Valerie at the yeah, PPSC yeah, this yeah, weekend, so we threw some veil yeah. slides in there. So we primed up the hamstrings and the glutes. We went in for the deadlift variation. That was the key KPI, the key performance indicator. Over a long period of time, I want to get stronger on the hip hinge pattern, usually from a concentric emphasized bottoms up position. So that's my main focus that day. I am performing. I am a performance athlete for that lift. But then we did walking lunges like a bodybuilder. And then I did a set of 50 with uh, back extensions just to get a pump into the lower back, get some blood flow back in there before I sat on this podcast. So it had all these different rep ranges. It had all different training volumes. They had different goals for every blueprint, every block in that blueprint. And I think that is a more well-orchestrated type of training program or training day that gives you a little bit of everything because you can focus neurologically on a lot of different adaptations and stimuli all separate from one another. So it's almost like you can do four things better because they're all different things. They're not competing against one another. Do you, a um, couple of things, like I actually, I just really want to constantly make the emphasis of what you're talking about, which is because I'm sure you see this a lot. I see a ton, right? That there's too much work being done at super high, what I mean, <laughs> intensity, CNS intensity. Yeah for too many sets rather than just doing really quality work for less but really getting after it and then after that kind of backing off and, yeah. and obviously switching emphasis now do you the other question too is do you like going um like supplement exercises right and hitting prs on those too and then like for instance same thing with metabolic work like yeah. do you look at that i mean because obviously it's different intensity and, yeah. and systemic load uh, do you look at that too and go like, hey, let's try to push that as well? I mean, we definitely push it, but we don't monitor it in the same way as we do as, our power okay. and our strength numbers. I'm a big believer in the stronger that you are, the more resilient you'll be. The better you move, the more resistant you will be to pain and injury. So for my style of programming, strength's always going to be our number one, but we are co-managing in a multidisciplinary model where we have different types of techniques, different focuses come in, but it's not going to be a KPI for us. Obviously, we don't want to get weaker on our strength lifts or our auxiliary lifts, but the way that we program is a little bit differently because we program off the foundational movement pattern, squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, carry. So we're going to have KPIs for each of those six movement patterns, but from there, it doesn't really matter like what you dumbbell bench press for sets of 10 to 12. You know, it's just for a different goal there. It's not moving from A to B with external load. It's having a mind-muscle movement connection with that. So the emphasis becomes a little bit different, but we're co-managing all these different uh, types of models of training together. And we've really even worked in energy systems to the point where it becomes a regenerative tool for yep. us as opposed to trying to set a PR yep. on the Aerodyne bike. Yep. If you can have one singular focus for your training, that's really good but then you have to have an interplay for the rest of the stuff that you're doing. Maybe it's not the exact same focus, but everything else goes into maintenance mode and little by little getting better. So for us, our energy systems work, our aerobic, our anaerobic, our threshold work is done, but it is not going to be a long-term KPI for us because strength is always going to be that. But these things all interplay together. That's the big secret. You can't go all in on one thing because you're going to be giving up so much else in terms of physical characteristics. Yeah, I mean, basically what you're doing is like looking at Hey, here's this main thing, this mover. How do these others support that main exactly. mover right? versus, versus, I mean, because I think that's one of the things too is that sometimes for people that, I would say even for people that like to train, you know, people that are getting into training to get a result, I think the coaches really guide what's going to happen. Yeah. But people that like to train is like, well, oh man, like I'm going to go heavy and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to fucking kill myself on conditioning. Yeah. Man, I got a great workout in, right? Like, but, but did you versus like, hey, what's the main thing you want to achieve here? 
let's support it with all the other stuff, right? Because I mean, exactly, energy systems are very important. Uh, but even in a sense of like, because you use them, like, hey, how can I recover? Yeah. So I can train harder, recover faster. I mean, shit, that's what steroids do, right? Like, it's, yeah. they help you do that. Like, well, how how do we do that in a program so we can recover faster and train more? F- I love that line, train harder to recover faster. That was one of our taglines for functional power training. Mm-hmm. And uh, about four and a half years ago, we had functional hypertrophy training out. Great program. It's the first program. You've done it yeah. with your team. First program I ever wrote for like large scale. But then we made some really good changes in three years of beta testing for functional power training. And we truly did train all of the different physical characteristics separate from one another, but living in a symbiotic environment. And I'm biased here. I think it's some of my best programming work for large scale, single cell program, but we are truly training in the power schemes. We're going through strength schemes. We're training for two mile runs, one mile runs, PRs on the Aerodyne bike. Mm-hmm. We're doing all these different things and we actually put more muscle on people with functional power training than we did functional hypertrophy training just with these different stimuli, putting in max effort and then speed and dynamic effort work. Um, lateralizing, rotating-based energy systems work with circuit bases is pretty dynamic, and that's the style of training that I still use today selfishly because that's how I feel the best coming off of planes. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel the best. I mean, I taught for two straight days at the seminar. I was able to max effort lift this morning because it becomes neurologically regenerative. The mechanical systems don't get absolutely crushed where you're just standing around for five, six days after training with such delayed onset muscle soreness that you can barely take a shit in the morning. And it is something that you can train extremely hard in the real time from 60 to 70 minutes a day. And then you can feel great on the next day. But usually secondary in the week, you're not doing big heavy barbell lifts anymore. You're doing things with speed in mind, accommodating resistance. You're training at maybe 40 or 50% of a 1RM projection. And then you're doing that fast. So in terms of training this while minimizing the risk everywhere else, it's powerful because you are truly training the multimodalic model. And a lot of people try to talk about themselves doing that. Oh yeah, I train all the physical disciplines. It's one of the single hardest things to do as a coach or a programmer to mix and match things like energy systems, power, strength, hypertrophy, and movement quality together. Everyone's trying to do it, and that's where we tend to see the most injuries and burnout, trying to co-manage all of these things without mindfulness. Yep, because you got to understand it. And like once again, going back to like you have to know how one fits and supports the other, which is why I'm such a big fan. I mean, look, it's... This is why you study this stuff, right? Because it's too, it's too, it, it's become like very, very. Oh yeah, well, well I just do some cardio on the side. Well, what type of cardio? <laughs> what what cardio do you need, and what supports yeah. this program, right? Like, because if you're doing anaerobic conditioning, you know, four days a week with your yeah. with your strength training programs, and it's just like it's just constant like super high intensity circuits. Like, no, that's not going to be a smart idea. Yeah. And then what are your exercises you're using there, right? So, um, and I like when you talk about like you know, the uh the the power training basically program like the. I think that there's another part of it too is that, you know, people enjoying it and having this kind of like switch up. Yeah. And I'll say it's really not novelty, but it feels like it because it's like, man, okay, I went heavy. Okay. But let's talk about novelty though. So, novelty is one of the most important things for actually having buy in and having that, fuck yeah, I'm going to go in and train today. Mm Functional power training was the first program that I put together that is different every single day for 12 See, weeks. That, so here's kicker, right? Okay, this is what I'm going to ask you too. This is, this, I'm glad you brought this up because the, the frequency of changing up the exercise. Yes. And, and I know that like you change it up a lot there. Yeah. And because and, I'm a big fan of this too. But explain like how often. So for instance, right, for, uh, for example, because the movement pattern stays the same, but exercise exactly. changes. So 
you know, and I was uh, listening to Jay and Matt Wenning talk about this, and like this is something I've done yeah. for a long time, and and because first of all, it's like, hey, do the same fucking lift for four weeks. Oh, God damn, yeah, it's the worst. But, it, but you know, uh, talk a little about the the philosophy and idea behind like rotating that really, yeah. really, really. So fast. for beginners, uh, three to six weeks is what they're capable of in terms of trying to have a progressive overload in a KPI lift. So that's cool. You know, if you want a barbell back squat for three to six weeks, you can do it there. But as soon as you become an intermediate or more so an advanced trainee, you need a little bit more novelty. And I'm not talking about like running a fucking marathon and then going into a powerlifting competition one day later. Yeah. I'm talking about slight variation. Mm -hmm. So with something like a functional power training scheme, every three weeks we change up our blueprint, which is the way that we plug and play the different movement patterns with key emphasis on each of the blocks of each training day. So we'll have key lifts that will alternate. So for max effort lower body lifting, we don't squat every week. We squat every other week and every other from that is a deadlift derivative. We don't bench press every week off of flat angles. We go every other week on an angle, incline or decline, and then into a flat angle or a range of motion deficit. But from there, we look at all these other movement patterns, you know, single leg training, horizontal push and pull, vertical push and pull. We are adding slight variation into the set and rep scheme, so total volume, but also into the exercise of choice. When I talk about slight variation, let's take a lat pull down for instance. Mm -hmm. We can go wide grip lat pull down. We can go chin grip lat pull down. We can go neutral. neutral we can go yeah. wide or narrow. We can go pronation, neutral, semi-pronated. Everything is the same force vector. It's the same pattern. But in terms of the dynamic stability of the muscles that we're working on in the upper back and the lats, it's all novel positions to keep our shoulders healthy. Yep. So as soon as you can kind of plug and play with a reason why behind you're using these slight variations, your body kind of thinks it's doing the same thing. But in terms of your neurological adaptation, you're able to learn how to restabilize Muscularly, you're able to hit the, the muscles from different angles, the regional patterns from different angles, and it really just amplifies almost the novel effect of, wow, this was really hard today. It felt really hard because it's brand new to the system, yep. even though it's kind of the same. Same but different. But it prevents, and it also prevents overuse. It, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, like if you've ever, like, you know, this will be like one of those uh, duh moments, but it's like, uh, you know, when you do uh, lateral raises with dumbbells, right? And like, Great exercise, love it. But man, if you've ever done that for four weeks and you're like, man, my elbows sure. are killing me. And you could be completely healthy, yeah. meaning like you don't have anything that's like really, but you're like, man, why is this bugging me? Because you're not changing yeah. stuff up and it's just such a repetitive pattern. But know? this is where it comes from. So uh, old school programming is predicated on a KPI. So you're going to have a KPI and the way that you get stronger at that KPI lift is that you build in secondary lifts and accessory lifts based on that prime lift. So if you want to get stronger on bench press, what is your weakest link? If it's on lockout, you're going to be doing a ton of tricep work. You're going to be do doing a lot of upper range partials. But that's not the way we program. So we take a big movement pattern for the day, our KPI, and then we fill in the blanks with patterns as opposed to accessories driven towards that main lift. So we want to be on a lower body day. We want to be training a squat pattern. Mm -hmm. We want to be training a bilateral hinge pattern. We want to be training on single leg, and then we want to emphasize direct work on either the glutes or the hamstrings or both of those things working into hip extension, knee flexion moments. So that is a quality, inclusive lower body session. For an upper body session, you should be doing pushing and pulling in different angles 
and you should be also be able to have some upper back work that is more isolated and driven to get your ratios up, especially pulling to pushing. So we should be doing all of these different things. So that turns into four to five different lifts and you have all of the patterns in mind. You could even throw carries in on lower body or upper body day. You could do sprint work. You could bring your body through space with locomotion. And all of a sudden, you're co-managing these six foundational movement patterns, most likely throwing rotation in on your warm-ups, your finishers, and your energy systems days. And that's what a human being needs to maintain in terms of the movement competency, the movement system capacity. That's how we get better. We open up movement quality, and then we maintain it while getting strong in the process. Now, on, on, on that note... Like, for instance, I mean, obviously, there's such a wide array of, you know, if somebody's a beginner or they're intermediate or maybe like maybe they, you know, they had pretty good athletic performance in college. And now they're getting back to it. But that whole, you know, that whole thing about threat, meaning like, um, you know, getting back like, man, I, barbell, like I don't want to touch it. Yeah. You know, and just because the thing is, do you, you know, if you're individual programming for somebody yeah. and like they've been beat up this, that, the other, like as I, this is I'm, I'm just such a especially nowadays, like the proponent of. Uh, you know, having like, uh, I would say the right exercises and the yes. right ramp ups for people that do, they're like, Hey, I do want to lift heavy, but in their mind, they're like, yeah, I can't, especially mm-hmm. like barbell stuff. For right? sure. How much would you change up things? Like, like I said, whether it's um, zerchers, front squat, double kettlebell squats, and still using like, for instance, still yeah. using a double KB squat for like a six rep, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, like, tell me a little bit about that. Cause, cause I've, you know, started real, like I'm, I'm looking at the patterns and I'm like, Hey, look, I'm going to fit you into this. Like we're going to do the pattern. Yeah. But like they'll do double KB squats and go like, man, these feel great. Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to heavy as fuck on this. You know what I mean? So since it, I've been here, um, I'm now an online fitness trainer. I'm an online coach now. So we, we started online coaching programs <laughs> <laughs> over the summer for the first time. You know, I've been in the industry for a while now and I've never done online coaching before. So we took in new clients over the summer. We've been managing them all year. It's been very cool. But, you know, when we bring in a new client, I honestly don't care who you are. We are going to build the base up of that foundational movement pattern pyramid, and we're going to make sure that people can do things extremely well. Usually that turns into anywhere from four to 12 weeks of an on-ramp period where we're going back, we're taking away the barbell, and we're actually getting people in to really get pristine quality movements with more functional patterns. So we're getting into goblet squatting versus barbell squatting. We're using the trap bar versus the barbell on deadlifting. We're using dumbbells and neutral grip bars and all of these things with push-up derivatives instead of going into straight barbell bench press. And people are honestly, that is the spark that they need to have a success from three months to six months to 12 months to multiple years under my program and under my coaching because it sets them up for feeling great in a four to 12 week period. And then when they feel great, you sprinkle in the stuff that they really want to do, the hard things, and you just give them a little bit by little bit by little bit. And the key is that you keep them healthier, you keep them in better shape, and then when you actually reintroduce some of the stuff that was most likely the thing that broke them down, the thing that led them to me, you're far more successful because the stronger that you can make your movement pattern, the stronger and the wider you can build the base of that pyramid, the more successful you're going to be when you get to the top of that pyramid because you have stability in play, you have movement mastery in play, and you were forced to do the hard things extremely well. You know, there's nothing fun about goblet squatting 120 for 25 reps. Oh I heard you just did it. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's nothing I, I fun that. about Bulgarian split squats for six to eight RMs loaded heavy as fuck. Mm-hmm. But the better that we can get at some of the stuff that has been neglected the better it's going to be when we actually get into sexier programming. But even for the strongest people, we start them at the bottom and they quickly earn their right to progress back up. 
But that's a mistake that most coaches make. We were joking around at the PPSC. How many of you guys have advanced clients? Yeah. I'm an advanced client. I need the best coach in the gym, and we need to be training under the most scientific theory possible. They can't do a push-up. They can't do a dumbbell row. And you feel like throwing up into the trash can when you see their deadlift form. That's not an advanced client. And even for people that have been training a long time, they've yeah, been so training good. like shit Correct. a long time. Absolutely. So their actual yeah. quality training age yeah. is at zero. So that's the time where you have to go into the rebuilding mm -hmm. mode. Well, I got to stop you there. Quality training age. We talk about training <laughs> age, right? But that's, you know, that's, that's a really, really profound thing to say. Because here's the thing. Like, you, an example would be like, hey, man, listen, i um, been training for eight years. And it's like, all right, cool. So I'm not going to judge anything. All right, let's take you through an assessment. Let's, let's do some lifts and ramp up and see where you're at. And you're like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Because if, if you have been training, you know, it's like the law of the slight edge, right? Like, you kind of let your, you know, you're deadlifting, you got a little bit around the back. You're really not ramping anything up. You're not doing any activation, no priming. <laughs> but then for eight years, that's what you've been doing. It's actually worse than a beginner because, like, yes. man, we have to unravel this and get you back to even. Yeah, I call it reverse engineering. Absolutely. That's a lot what we have to do. Right. So yeah. it's like, it, it, it's really, imagine that, if, you know, every coach should be like, <laughs> which is, you got to find it out because people will say what they'll say, right? But like, you got you have to assess all the time. But, you know, quality training age. <laughs> Because the thing is, like, 10 years of non-quality training age puts you behind a beginner that's just starting. Absolutely, to me, you know what I mean? Like, uh, because now it's like, holy shit, like, we really have to work on, like, you got to take three steps back to take, you know, for sure, six steps forward. But the cool thing is that I think this is a big lesson for everybody on the coaching side and anybody that's listening that's, you know, wants to get the best results in training, pain-free results in training is, you know, that John said, hey, like, we do four to 12 weeks of foundations, depending on where somebody's at, right? Yeah. But then because you're, you're prepping everything for the long term, like your, your mindset and your thought process has nothing to do with short term stuff. Like what, you know, if somebody goes like, I want to build muscle, get strong at it, like you're not going to achieve that in 12 weeks. I mean, and, and keep it. You know what I mean? Like no, these, you can get results in 12 weeks, but you can absolutely. change your fucking life in a year. Correct. And exactly. you can change your life for life yep. in two years. Oh, you can get, I mean, the thing is like, if example, right? Somebody... Like me, that's, that's, you know, been training for a long time. I could go on your program. Like, I got great results. But to keep anything, right? Yes. Like, it's to keep anything. And, 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 the, and especially, look, the reality is with a lot of people in the training, you know, the training they've been doing hasn't been great training for them, yeah. for what they want to achieve long term. Like, that's going to take, yeah, like, if you want to change your lifestyle, really learn about yourself, get those, you know, quality patterns down. Like, yeah, a year later, yeah. now you can be like, man, like I'm, I'm feeling good about this. People you know I mean? give up too quick on shit that works, too. We, we see, tend to see this all the time in the industry. Is you'll have somebody and you'll be like, man, I just set PRs. I never felt better. I literally have more energy after 12 weeks of this program. But I'm going to try a hypertrophy <laughs> instead. And you're like, you are a better human being because of the way that you've been training, the way that you've been living differently. Why the fuck would you give up on this? And I think people give up way too fast on a model of training that works for them because it's the shiny object syndrome. I was about to say, the grass yeah. is greener on the other side. But I always recommend for people, if you are still making gains, we call it riding the wave. Yeah. You want to ride that wave for one, two, three, five, ten years until it no longer works. Because mm -hmm. you only got so many bullets in the chamber of your gun in terms of novelty, in terms of the way that you train. Because every truly novel change in your programming scheme or your focus, it's going to have an adaptation period Absolutely. to it. Yeah. So you need to maximize that adaptation period. And then only then when you plateau or when you're forced to change, 
then you change. But just going 12 weeks on this, 12 weeks on this, yoga specialty program, 12 weeks into functional hypertrophy training. <laughs> you have to have a key singular focus. But a lot of people, they don't have that until they're forced to have that. But don't give up on something that is working mm. because it is extremely hard to get something that works. And there's and there's also a lot of, uh, you can make a, so many changes that still that still apply within that method and structure we're talking about to where it is novel enough to where you're having you know you're having fun and, and it's not like ugh, it's boring yeah. which is what we we're talking about yeah. but I, I i mean i think obviously social media perpetuates this thing where it's you know you're, you're looking at it and and it's like oh man look at that fucking program like you see yeah. some videos it's like i'm gonna jump on that like why, why though like what do you want you know Oh, you, you can do a little bit of everything too. So like using myself as an example, the last four months uh, I've been taking certifications with Marcus Martinez in Kettlebell, yep. Jason C. Brown, Clifton Harsky. And I am not a kettlebell master, but you know what? I'm going to learn how to yield this tool because it's fun. It's a new challenge for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't change the way that I'm scheming my functional power training. I just figured out a way on how I could adapt this new tool that I want to play with a little bit into my blueprint. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, on Sundays, when I'm doing regeneration work, I'm doing a little bit of skill with the kettlebell. When we're priming for the big lifts, we might do some ballistic work where the centripetal force is actually in play better with the kettlebell than any other tool. So there's ways to use novel tools or sexy schemes in your general program but you need to still have that base, especially if it's still working for you. But I think people are like, oh, I'm only a barbell guy. Oh, I'm only a kettlebell guy. How about you use everything? I always laugh when I come here because you literally have not one of everything. You have five of everything. <laughs> when you talk about trap bars, Luca has seven different trap bars. It's like, oh, I want a trap bar deadlift today. And then which you have to sit there like? for 15 <laughs> minutes and figure out it's which one menu. you want to use. Yeah. So that stuff, it's all cool because you can plug and play different tools to keep it fresh, to have excitement. I still like to be excited when I go Hell and yeah. train. Hell yeah. I, like, even today, like I didn't feel good in the morning. Like, I can't barely even speak right now because I've been yelling all weekend at our attendees. 110 is a big, big That's seminar. Big Tough to yeah. manage, but it was awesome. But then I came in and I was like, fuck yeah, we're going to deadlift today because Luca's got that old school Texas uh, uh, deadlift bar yeah. that literally looks like it came from like the annals of Slovenian bomb shelter. Yes, and we, we make sure that it looks like that. <laughs> Don't wipe it down. It gives you about 17% but we went more in and, strength. You know, we set up something that we don't have at my gym. And I was like, man, this is fun. This is fun. Even today, if you can make it fun, even after getting your ass kicked for three straight days, being on the road, being in hotels, eating shitty food. We had pizza two nights ago between the day one and day two of the seminar. That was interesting. <laughs> you know, if you can have that be fun, imagine just having every day feel cool like that. Mm-hmm. When you don't have the motivation, you have the habituation that you can actually go in and have some mindfulness with the training session that makes you feel better, but also makes you better in the long term. Because that's why we're training, right? The days of, oh, I'm going to go kick my ass in the gym, and I'm really going to fuck myself up, and then I'm going to self-justify being able to eat like shit and not sleeping and all this stuff because I made it hard in the gym. Those days are over because people are smarter now. They want to go in and feel good on a daily basis. You're coming to Vigor Ground and coming into the 5 or 6 a.m. session. You want to make your life better that day via training. So training is a tool to make your life better. You need to be doing it intelligently, but if you are left drained after every training session, I can guarantee you that your life in the short term and the long term is not going to be better because of training. I think that that's really, uh, really important, right? I mean, that's actually a question you should probably ask yourself. If every time you train, 
you get up, you know, the next morning and you're sore and you can barely get out of bed. And, and look, there's, you know, not even the next morning, though. Like I see it now where people kick their ass for 60 minute sessions with 70 and people the rest in a room. The, the rest, the rest of, the, of the, the day, day they're yeah. sleeping at their desk and they're drinking 15 cups of coffee to get through. Yeah. You know, it can be short term. It can be long term. It can be the next day with joint soreness. It can be a month later with recurring chronic base injuries. Or it could be the next hour where you can't function in your daily life. Because you just feel like shit in the gym and you pushed it too hard. And usually that's under a coach's watch. Mm-hmm. That's a big no-no. Well, because I, I think that part of it is actually because as a coach, there's this pressure. And maybe the pre- like I've heard all types of crazy scenarios and stories, right, where sometimes even clients will be like, crush me, right? But because like you have to educate, number one, you have to educate the client about, first of all, find out what they really want so you can support what they want with your training and yep. explain it. But it, but now I think coaches all almost have the pressure of people walking out and going like, man, my, my trainer killed me, right? Like, yeah. And it's like, yay, check in, my trainer killed me, right? Like, it's the CrossFit mentality. People want to feel like they're working hard. But the best trainers get somebody that feeling while not breaking them correct. down in the That's process. The There's That's a big magic. difference between 100 rep sets of snatches with metabolic stress work and metabolic stress work on the Aerodyne bike. Yep. You know, the goal was achieved with the heart rate on both things, and it's hard. one sacrificed your joint health, yep. the other achieved the goal with minimal joint stress. So there's always different ways to getting after that, but people love the feeling of sweat, fatigue, and soreness. Mm-hmm. But those are three of the poorest indicators of a well-rounded results-based training program there is today. Yeah, and then so <laughs> for any, I, I still, I mean, there's still too much of this going on, by the way. Like, I'm, and why? Because like this last week, I talked to three people that you know walked into the gym and had a conversation without judging but just asking questions you know and and essentially i mean i found out from like two of the three that you know they were doing tons of you know i was talking to them i said hey listen let me you, you cool if i do like a quick test with you like they're like oh yeah cool so i do the overhead flexion test with them you know like they do not pass the test right like one elbow bends the other one like they're just arching neck forward to try to touch the wall and then from there i was like well tell me a little bit about your training you know and basically it was a lot of metcons it, it was and it was just like so much overhead work, you know, like push pressing and snatching and clean and push push presses. And, and, and That's jerk. actually being debated today in the industry, though. It's like we're a believer that if you can't get your body into the range of motion with body weight only, most likely you don't want to load that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to add speed to that. And you certainly don't want to add a huge amount of fatigue and stress into that pattern. But a lot of people do it and they think, oh, yeah, exercises can be the same for everyone. It's hell? common it, sense that they're not. It, man, I mean, look, it's, it, it, it's, it is such common sense. Now, look, can I do a bottoms up, you know, uh, bottoms up kettlebell waiters walk with with maybe, right? But, 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 and that's overhead, you know, and of course, landmine presses, so on and so forth. Like you have to be able to, to plug and play for that specific person. Yeah. Please, I mean, like, listen, seriously, if I put you in a position where your ribcage is down, you're, you're neutral and get your hand overhead, but then I have to push it into place. And you're like, oh, that's tight, right? I'm like, and, and you want to go and load that? That's crazy. That's- it all comes down to how do we maximize trainability while minimizing risk of injury? I think it's negligent if somebody can't get into a position on their own with their own body to actually put any sort of stress loading speed or metabolic capacity on it. That's just me. But that's one-on-one of strength training, right? Mm-hmm. Any pattern, any exercise that you plan on doing. Step one, try to improve the pattern itself. Step two, maximize authentic range of motion. Step three, load through a full range of motion. 
we're skipping step one and two yep. when we go into actually I, I loading legit, that full range that you don't have access to. I legit, I think Eric just tweeted, it was like three, you know, three things. What, what are our main goals? Where it's like, number one, do no harm, right? Yeah. Obviously. And then number two is like, keep people pain free within healthy movements. And then three, optimize performance, right? Yeah. Like, but those three don't live in, like they, they work together. Yes. And if you're not, I mean, honestly, if you're training and you know, you're coming to a training session, you're like, you know, like, I just got, you know, I just got to warm up yeah. to get this joint pain out. And it's like, yeah, once I warm up, I can go. I mean, it's like that there's probably an issue there, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Once once I get going, I just got to do 100 reps of overhead and then I feel better. It's like, man, that's probably not probably that's that's a problem. Right. So we have to think about that as a coach and as a client. Like yeah. you really, really have to think about that. Um, I'm actually going to just look at the time to make sure that we're. Oh, we got about 10 minutes. All right. All right. All right. I got more questions. There we go. Perfect. Um, but like you, you really got to, you know, you got to think about that because especially like, you know, it's, it's the same thing as seeing somebody in the weight room. Uh, you know, when I go to big box gym and it's like they're, they're deadlifting heavy with a rounded back with a crank back neck. And I'm like, Hey, you open us some feedback. And like, I'll say, you know, maybe you want to do this a little bit different. And it's like, well, but I don't hurt. You make sure that that guy saw you dunking the basketball at LA Fitness I, I, before you go absolutely. and give that feedback, it's like, right? It's like, he's looking at me, all right, I'm dunking. And then I'm cause like, they might, now he might listen to me. But, um, but, but it's like, it's that whole like, well, it doesn't hurt, right? Or people, the sensation that people feel where I get like, I just get this stretch here. And it's like, well, what type of stretch is that, right? Because that's going to really, really add up. And right now, you might not be feeling it, but man, oh, man, are you going to feel that? You know, and, and you have so many, I mean, I'm sure you probably see this a lot. I mean, I, I know personally know a lot of people that are in their 30s that got hip replacements, right? Knee replacements. I had two close friends, double <laughs> hip replacement and a knee replacement, right? And it's just happening so much. And you, you brought up a stat um, and something you said that the, with training, like the people that are sedentary and don't do anything don't have as many injuries as the people that are training. Yeah. Right. And, crazy. and th that's where we're at right now. So that, that, that's a very, very important point because it means that like, look, you ob obviously there's a ton of things, bad things that happen if you don't exercise and eat right. And your lifestyle, you know, is not in, uh, on par because now we have cardiovascular disease and pain and all these other things. But if you don't train, like if you're going and training like crazy not having quality movement patterns, you're not training smart and, and you know, recovering the right way, those people are getting injured more. Yeah. And, and th those are the things, like, that's how physical therapy is, like, thriving in certain areas, I guess. Yeah, you know, it sucks, though, because we try to act like, oh, the lowest common denominator. Just have people move. It's good enough that they're out there trying. It's like, good for you, good for you. If you're gonna invest your time in something, fucking do it right. Do it right, absolutely. Do it right, absolutely. And, and I'm like, there's, there's a part to it where I'm like, you know what? Hey, if you didn't do anything and you go do Zumba, hell yes. I love it. You know, if you didn't do anything. It's a first step, but we have yeah. a life of steps that need to continue Co to be taken. So if it's a first step, cool, get somebody into a physical practice. But people usually stay at whatever they started with until they either burn out mentally, physically, emotionally, or they're led to pain and injuries that lead them away from having mm -hmm. something that is habituated in their lifestyle. But we can do better, especially as coaches as trainers we have hundreds of thousands of us in america right now it's one of the most booming professions to be in and we need it but we need to do better we just simply need to do better. I, and you know what like I, I i like to ramp on this point i really do you know uh, and i think sometimes somebody might be like man who are you to say this that and the other but look i, I mean 
and and I'm really happy. I mean, obviously, like our you know the events are getting bigger that we host. Uh, I know that like you're you know you're packing events. I mean, this this was a completely packed event, and there I think there was probably about 30, 40 people from Seattle. I think yeah, they raised their hands. Yeah. Which you know when we when I started doing events here at Vigor, you know, nine years ago, eight nine years ago. I mean, there was a couple of people from Seattle. Yeah. And obviously, there was a lot less people. But only now in these last years, I get so excited when people are like, hey, you know, hey, look, I just want to introduce myself. We're like, where are you from? Seattle. I'm like, yo, that's so so dope, man. Come yeah. through. Like, you know, and, and they get excited to see that I'm excited. But I'm like, yeah, I'm excited that, like, there's more and more coaches really, really, really investing in themselves and really committed to this. You I, know, I like, tell our attendees every single weekend, no matter if we're in China or we're in Seattle, you differentiate yourself as a top 1% of the profession of personal training or strength coaching just by sitting in and continuing your education, putting an investment on your career capital. Just by sitting in vigor ground this weekend, 110 coaches identified themselves as serious motherfuckers. Yep. People that wanted to make their clients' lives better, and they were going to get the tool sets in order to do that. They're not complacent people. They're blue-collar, hardworking people that are going to grind up and be that best trainer at their gym. You know, there's a lot of this shit like, oh, personal training so hard. Uh, you cannot be successful at it. You can be successful. Absolutely. You're going to be as successful as you make it out to be because you can put in time. You can put in experience. You can go and volunteer at Vigor Ground. You can come in and go pain-free performance specialist certification. It's a choice that people make. Earlier on in my career, and I know you did exactly the same thing, I didn't go out and buy cars. I didn't buy houses. Every fucking dime that I made was going into continuing education. Mm -hmm. It was going and trying to get around the best people. And that paid off long term. Short term, it sucked. Short term, it sucks going to Walmart and having to buy your food yep. and living in a shithole. But long term, that sets you up because nobody else is willing to do it. At three and a half years, 90% of trainers will have burned out of the industry. So if you can make it through three and a half years into year four... You are going to be a serious contender to be in that top trainer in the gym, making money, having a free market economy, which is the fitness industry, and being successful for a career. This isn't just something that somebody jumps into and out of. You know, that is uh, a black eye in our industry right now. Yeah. We have a lot of hobbyists. Yeah. But if you can truly yes. become a professional trainer, at year four, you're going to have 10,000 hours Man, of I'm, training. Man, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there because I think this is really important, right? Um and look, if you if you get into the industry because anything that you you're like, man, maybe this I'll like this, and you go and try it. That's cool. I actually I support that. You know, go into it. Um, but but here's the other part of it. Even if you go into it part time and you're testing it out, man, do your absolute best because that's the only yeah. way you'll find out if yep. you really want to do it, right? Because people are like, you know, there's this misconception like, oh man, I'm just gonna train on the side and make money, and then it's like, oh shit, this is hard. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, what? This seminar is six hundred thousand. This cert is thousand. This is like, oh man. And like you said, I mean, I was when I came here. I mean, I was essentially, I was broke, man. Like, and everything went into that. And even to this day, because some people will go like, oh, you're doing this and that. Like, if I like, I would get rid of anything and everything if I couldn't continue to invest in in myself, my team. Education wise, I mean, legit, and, and, and now it's just at higher levels. There's power like, in lifelong learning. I mean, it's 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 a must. Like, I can't. How even, many veteran coaches do we have in that gym this weekend? A lot, a lot of a veteran lot. coaches. A, a lot, lot of yeah. coaches that you've looked, I've looked up to in my career, come into this course. You know, they're 40 years old. They're 50 years old. Yep. They are still there, continuing yep. the education. I pulled a couple people aside, and I was like, "Wow, thank you for setting a standard for what a fitness professional should be." 
You are here. You flew in from LA. You've been a trainer for 35 years, and you are here with us right now, learning new systems to better your clientele. Yeah, <sighs> yeah it's not. Man, I mean, it's amazing. it's nuts, but it's like, and that that's what you want to see, and and still excited, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, this is awesome, right? Like, yeah. but that, but she that's loved the, it the, more that, than that, anyone. Absolutely. It was amazing, and, and that. But that's the thing, though. Like, when you really are. Like, like I'm to this like day so ex- if I learn something new or like oh man like th- I could do that tweak it like this do this do I mean sometimes it's like a complete profound new method that I yeah. haven't like learned before right you're you're searching for that because you truly are purposeful and passionate about like helping people change their lives so right. any tool is like yes. is 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 like a video game right I get the superpower tool and I can do some cool shit with it but but, but it, we go back to this like there's no like there's absolutely no way in this industry or any other industry that you can, yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna close it up. I know, like we're both like, man, we're on a time on a time scale. But um, there, there's no way to be to be great. There's no way to get in that top one percent yeah. if you don't put in the work. And I and I'm seeing too many people like on either on a hobby trend where it's like, well, I'm gonna do this for a year or two and like see if I can you know make multiple <laughs> six figures. And and it's like, man, then you're not in it for the right reasons. Right. And you know, and and I think that like. There's so much space and room for greatness in this industry. Yeah. Like, and and I feel like within you know in the coming years we're gonna get more of what we deserve as an industry. Um, but it's not gonna just be given to anybody ever. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta put in the work, right? Because there's it, it's it is a booming industry as far as like people to get into it. But we know the turnover is like ninety percent a year. Yeah. So, in, in most uh, in you most made gyms. a great point though. It's like you know we are not in the profession to make a million dollars a year. We are in a service-based profession to serve our clientele, to make people's lives better. And I think that the moral and ethical standards of many trainers are there. But it doesn't mean that you can't also make a living. The better trainer you are, the more successful and the more money that you will make. I truly do believe that. And mm-hmm. that's the reason that we run this education. Yep. It's the reason that I think that your trainers do an amazing job here at Vigorground is because you invest in education. You invest in experience that actually holds water. So with that, I mean, I, I, I like 17 more questions, but I mean, listen, you'll be back. You already know we're, we're always going to do this uh, at least once a year. Uh, but man, where can people find out more about pain-free performance training? Yep. Uh, you, I think most people hopefully do, do know about John. If you don't, then you know, yeah. So the website, drjohnrussin.com, D-R-J-O-H-N-R-U-S-I-N.com. And also over on the pain-free performance special certification, get G-E-T-P-P-S-C.com coming to 100 cities worldwide cities. in 2020 100 cities check it out seriously go to the cert it's phenomenal uh follow john he puts uh, this these uh, him and the team uh put out so much amazing free content too it's, it's ridiculous so you can learn so much honestly like for nothing so there's no excuse uh, with that said love and appreciate you man Thanks, great brother. podcast again my man all right peace out guys see you in the next episode of your life podcast